You're listening to Tooth Be Told. For the latest updates, like our SPIU Alberta Facebook page and follow us at SPIU Alberta on Instagram. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Tooth Be Told podcast. We have an exciting episode to get through, but first I want to introduce a brand new co-host on the show this year, Ibrahim, or otherwise known as Abe, from uh, the DDS 2025 class. Hey everyone, I'm Ibrahim. Like Yang said, most people call me Abe, so if you hear Abe, that's probably me too. Uh, I'm a second year DDS student at the U of A, and I'm excited to be joining this podcast and having the pleasure of co-hosting with Yang today. Abe, I'm happy you've joined us and we have an exciting year of podcasting ahead of us. Now let's get into today's episode. Our first speaker today has actually been on the podcast previously. He was actually a part of our first official episode last year. And joining us here again a year later is Adam McCourt from the DDS 2023 class. He is going to speak about the student group uh, Access for All Dentistry. Adam, welcome back on the show. Can you first give us a brief intro about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me back. I guess that means I didn't completely ruin the first episode, Um, but it's exciting to be back. Uh, A little bit about myself. I'm originally from Drayton Valley, which is a small town a little west of Edmonton. Uh, I went to Calgary for my undergrad, and I've been enjoying Edmonton for the last four years for dentistry. Adam, you were you were the highlight of that first episode. (laughs) Adam is a very accomplished man. Um, But next, could you give us an intro to Access for All Dentistry? What is this student group and how did you get involved with it? For sure. Um, So Access for All Dentistry is a student led initiative um, in partnership with the Métis Nation of Alberta that seeks to provide free dentistry for Albertans that don't have care. Um, So essentially, we achieve this by setting up portable dental clinics over um, our school reading breaks uh, in remote and underserved communities. Um, Kind of funny how I got involved. It wasn't um, my idea originally. I was in clinic one day and Dr. DePlege just nudged me on the shoulder, uh, kind of gave a brief introduction to Access for All and asked me if I wanted to pick up where the co-founders Reed Belay and Walter Janinkovich left off. Um, So I, this was, I guess, actually, I think it was right before Christmas break last year. So I went home for Christmas break, kind of thought about it for a few weeks, decided I wanted to be a part of this um, and just did my best to get brought up to speed. Um, I quickly realized it was something I wouldn't be able to do alone. Uh, So I started asking friends to join me on our executive team. Um, And we met with executives at the school, um, really tried to build it into the curriculum. Uh, We were meeting with donors basically just trying to acquire all the equipment and materials we would need uh, over the last year or so. Um, So yeah, it's kind of an interesting start, but I'm super happy I said yes. Yeah, well, we're all glad you picked up that initiative because it's such a good program. Um, Like you said, there's probably a lot that goes on with it. And you said you called up a few friends to help you out. So we were kind of wondering, can you kind of introduce us to the different members on Access for All? And, you know, what do their roles look like? So myself and Adam Manfrin are the chairs. Um, And then Rachel Leo in our class is the head of logistics. Um, As well in our class is John McHale, um, and he's kind of our head of communications. Um, Yi Ying uh, is our junior dentistry lead. 
Uh, and then we have a senior dental hygiene lead, and that is Lauren Costume. And then our junior hygiene lead is Kaylee uh, Seitz. I'm honored to be a part of the team. Like after our trip, which is our next question, um, I think like it's really solidified exactly how important this cause is to all of us. And Lauren will actually be on the show a little bit later. So stay tuned for that, everybody. <laughs> um, so the next question is something that probably our listeners are very interested in hearing about. Um, A4A or Access for All recently went on their pilot trip over the fall reading week. How did that trip go? And can you give us a summary on what happened? Yeah, it was a fantastic week. I think everyone involved um, couldn't have imagined it going better, to be honest. Uh, so we were up in Laclavish, like you said, over our reading break, um, which I think was a good place to start. Um, of course, that the Métis Nation wanted us to start there. Uh, I think that's where they felt the need was highest, but it's also convenient because it's really not that far from Edmonton. Um, so that helped just in terms of getting there and setting up um, the, the mobile clinic. Um, but yeah, we treated nearly 70 patients. Um, and I think it was uh, especially exciting too, because we actually got to experience a lot of the Métis culture while we were there. Um, so, so something that the Métis Nation did for us is um, and I guess to orient everyone to the space we were in, we were in a community event space um, and we had a separate room where the mobile clinic was set up, but just down the hall was a, a banquet room and the Métis Nation was um, just facilitating a lot of community events there the entire week. Um, so anytime we had a break, uh, which I mean, there wasn't many breaks that we had, we were busy, but uh, over lunch, we would go and enjoy um, some beadwork um, with folks from the MA. We got to enjoy a lot of traditional Métis food, which was amazing. Um, and they were always playing uh, traditional music too. So I think that was a really cool uh, component of the trip. Um, I would also say too, that uh, we really don't get to collaborate a lot with uh, the hygiene students. Um, so it was really amazing actually to work as part of a team um, and really rely on one another. So I think that was a cool experience that, you know, you don't always get um, in the Cape Clinic. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, like that team approach, the holistic approach was really important. Like we were able to kind of like, they saw somebody for maybe a hygiene appointment and they were like, oh, we noticed this. Like, can you come check it out or vice versa? And it was just really nice. You guys are making me jealous. Now I wish I went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two, two years to to get get uh, involved. So I'll be there. Adam, I'll be waiting. <laughs> you and Adam are going to start saying some inside jokes and Abe is going to I know. I like <laughs> more jealous. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. You thought you were going to be co-hosting, but you're actually just third wheeling now. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> But actually, I do have I do have a question for you, Adam. So you were talking about, you know, how you had the um, the mobile clinic over there. So I was wondering, considering the Access for All is a student led group, how were you guys able to run and like fully operate this mobile clinic? Was there any external help that was involved or was it mainly just you guys? I mean, I think we students would love to take credit for it, but there was so many people that were involved the last 10 months that made it possible. I was like blown away, honestly, by the support that we got from, first of all, the MA, but also the University of Alberta. Um, to start with the University of Alberta, of course, Dr. DePledge has been our biggest supporter uh, ever since the beginning, and she's been an amazing resource for us. Um, and that's also true for Dr. Blaine Coin and Dr. Trudy Coin. Um, so it's been really nice having um, some advocates, I would say, at the university. Um, but then there was also just a lot of other staff that went above and beyond to make sure that this was going to run smoothly. So, I mean, to name a few, Mel Chenard, uh, 
Terry Pilon, Michael Tamling, Peggy Skade, Professor Pratt and Professor Shepard, um, the entire executive board. And I hope I didn't miss anyone because there was there was legitimately a ton of people behind us supporting this uh, behind the scenes. Um, and from the M&A side of things, uh, Lisa Vaughn, uh, Brida McCoy, Reagan Bartel, and of course the Region 1 leadership in Lac-La-Biche, they were absolutely essential. Um, they really made it an amazing week for us. Um, and someone that kind of crossed, I guess, into both worlds would be Paulette Dalside. So she is Métis herself, but she's also integrating into the staff at the school. And she has an independent hygiene practice and does a lot of mobile hygiene work. Um, so it was amazing to have that experience on the trip. Um, and she actually was gracious enough to lend a lot of her equipment. Um, so that was wonderful too. Um, of course, <laughs> there's tons of donors too. We would not be able to do something like this without a lot of funding. Um, so we did acquire a $60,000 grant from the Alberta Dental Foundation. Um, and we had significant support from Patterson, Sinclair, uh, Clinical Research Dental, 3M, Dr. McDougall. Um, and we coordinated a lot with Shine as well. And they were sharing um, some extra sundries that they had. So it was a massive team behind this. Uh, and we definitely could not have done it without every single person that supported us. So um, yeah, it was pretty amazing, honestly, to see everyone come together. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. I guess it really does take a village sometimes for these type of things. For sure. Jumping back into the trip a little bit, um, what did a day in the life as a dentistry student look like on the trip? And what was kind of the biggest difference from a day in the K clinic? So I would say there's two big differences. The first would just be pace. Um, in K clinic, you usually see two patients a day, maybe three patients a day. Um, but when we were, we were in Lac La Biche, like we were typically seeing at least five patients a day. Um, so you had to work much faster. That's for sure. Um, but another difference too is um, when you're at the K clinic, you can see your day sheet like sometimes weeks in advance, so you know what you're going to be doing. And lots of times you've seen the patients before, and you might have been the one that uh, did the treatment planning as well. But in Lac La Biche, you didn't really know what was going to walk through the door, and so you had to be able to think on your feet, um, come up with an accurate diagnosis, and then treatment plan, and do all of that within the two hour slot you had with that patient and just basically get as much work done as you could. Um, in terms of what the day looked like, typically we were there around seven o'clock. The first, until about three o'clock, uh, all the appointments were pre-booked. Um, and like I said, they were two hour slots. Um, but after three o'clock, we just opened it up to walk-ins. Um, so I would say we usually were wrapped up and leaving the clinic around 6 p.m. But it was go, go, go for sure. In between those, in between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m., we didn't have much time off. Yeah, for sure. I think I was talking to um, Rachel from on the trip, like the day after. I was like, this feels like it was like a decade ago or something. Cause like all the days, like just were, were long and they kind of blurred into one and everything. But like, cause like every single day, I feel like I was just like motivated by adrenaline instead of coffee, which is my <laughs> usual go to. But yeah, no, it was super, like a really great learning experience, I think. So Adam, I know you said there was a lot of people involved in this, uh, on this trip, but I know that two of the dentistry preceptors were Dr. Trudy and Dr. Blaina Coyne. How was it to have them on the trip? I mean, they're incredible. Um, they're both so kind and so patient, which is kind of critical when you're supervising students. 
Um, and they're both very talented providers themselves. So um, I'm sure I can speak for everyone. And I said it was when I say it's great knowing that those two preceptors are right behind you if you feel out of your depth at any point. So honestly, I really don't think we could have had better preceptors for our trip, uh, especially too, because they have a lot of mobile dental experience. So just from a troubleshooting perspective, uh, having them there, I don't, I literally don't think we would have been able to do the week without them. They were, they were critical. Yeah. I think Blaine fixed like everything that broke down on our trip, <laughs> which yeah, like, oh, not breakdown, but like troubleshooted everything. So that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Being the first A4A trip, what is your biggest takeaway or lesson that you've learned? And how will you kind of take into account these things that you've learned when planning for future trips? Honestly, I would say that when you try to execute something um, this big, you literally just can't plan it perfectly, um, especially when it's the first time you're doing it. So I think it's just, it was important that we planned as good as we possibly could have, because when things popped up, unexpected things popped up throughout the week, they were typically like small solvable problems. Cause I don't think we really any of the big things that would have derailed us. Um, so I think that was a, a good learning point because it's easy um, to feel like you're unprepared or like you haven't thought about every last thing. And it's not that you need to think about every last thing. You just have to think about as much as you can and then hope that nothing you missed is critical. Um, and I think that's something we actually did really well. Um, and like you said, too, um, having uh, Blaine and Coin there to troubleshoot when things went awry and just having like spare parts and simple stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that really helped us. And I mean, you're only going to get better and better, right? The more trips you do. So I think as a pilot, it went really smoothly. I guess as a follow-up to that, there must have been some unexpected things that happened. Any stories about unexpected events or situation you want to share? I mean, there's lots of little things that we we were not expecting. Um, we had issues with both tri-syringes on our mobile units. Um, and fortunately, we had spare mobile units and Blaine was able to swap out the, the headpiece. Um, we ran out of distilled water. Uh, we didn't have Vaseline. Like the list of small things we didn't have goes on and on, but none of them, like I said, derailed us and we were able to navigate around it. So um, I think we're we're grateful for that. For sure. I One thing I'll add is that on our first day, literally in the morning, we started running Starry, running our um, big machines and our new machine that we bought could not get up to pressure it could not sterilize and we were all like oh my goodness because also because this was our machine it wasn't a litter or anything so I think like Blaine that day called a bunch of people and then in the end he was you know just really manning everything himself and it worked out so that's yeah and I mean that example specifically um within the last week of the trip we acquired another M11 autoclave uh, that Patterson Dental uh, loaned us. And if we didn't have that, when the one that we bought <laughs> was having issues, we actually would have had to stop what we were doing. Um, so I think we had a lot of redundancies, um, at least where we could. And that was an example of one redund- redundancy that kind of saved us, to be honest. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun stories from back in that trip. And it seems like you met a lot of people, like you were saying. And you know, you got to experience the Métis culture a little bit. So that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, with everything that went on in that trip, what would you kind of say was your favorite memory? So I would honestly say that some of my favorite memories actually didn't have to do with the dental clinic at all. <laughs> um, 
I look back fondly um, on the lunches that we had, uh, especially because there's a lot of community members there enjoying lunch as well. And so just enjoying the traditional Métis food um, and having conversations and getting to know people on a more personal level um, was really great. I would also say when we had a meal together as a team, um, the Wednesday night at our accommodations, um, it was just really nice to enjoy each other outside of the clinic setting and share lots of laughs. Um, so I'd say those are those are up there for my favorite memories. Agreed. Yeah, some of my favorite memories were also from outside the clinic as well. And just being able to really connect as a team, I think, was really great. Um, I guess on this note, uh, what is in store for A4A in the future? What are the next steps? So, I mean, we're, we're thrilled with how well the pilot trip went. And I think we definitely want to carry the momentum forward. We're planning for the next trip either to be in February or like April-ish. Um, we're still trying to figure the details out um, and we're still narrowing down on a location too. So I guess I can't give you um, a lot of specifics, but I would say that um, definitely follow us on Instagram. So it's A for A Dentistry um, and check out our website because that's A for AD.ca and we'll be posting um, most of our updates on those two um, mediums. So uh, unfortunately I don't have a lot of details, but just try to, Try to stay tuned because I think they'll be coming out pretty pretty shortly. I'll link the website and the Instagram page on our this episode and stuff. So like me, I'm sure everyone else that listens to this podcast is going to be very jealous and is going to want to join next time. So Adam, do you have any words for students who are probably interested in Access for All or the coming trips in the future? Yeah, I hope I've convinced you to participate. I would highly encourage you to participate. Um, it is an amazing learning experience. It's a lot of fun. You improve your dental skills big time and you learn how to function um, as part of a team. Uh, and honestly, getting to learn more about the Métis culture was pretty special. So um, I would highly recommend participating. Um, and if you want to get involved, just genuinely reach out to anyone on the executive team. Once we do have the details finalized for the next trip, we'll probably be looking to um, finalize the the participants as well um so yeah i would say don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions um and if you want to get involved just let any of the executives know yeah thank you adam um on that note um thank you for speaking on behalf of a4a and joining us on the show today it was a pleasure as always thanks so much for having me and now we have our second speaker, Lauren Costu from the DH4 class. She is the DH senior exec of A4A. Um, Lauren, welcome on the show. And can you give us a brief intro about yourself? Hi. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm a fourth year dental hygiene student here. Um, I'm originally from West Lock, Alberta, which for those of you who don't know, it's a small farming town about an hour north of Edmonton. Um, and I guess one thing about me is I, I worked at a dental office with some amazing people for a couple of years before I got into the program, which kind of, you know, affirmed for me that this is what I wanted to do. And it's one of the things I'm thankful for, for growing up in that community. Um, and yeah, it's crazy to think that I'm almost there. I just have a few months left before graduation. So time flies. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I've actually never heard of that place. So I'll definitely have to look that up after the class. <laughs> um, Lauren, if you don't mind, could you kind of explain how and why you got involved with the Access for All? Yeah, so um, I guess first I got in into contact with Rachel Liu, who is one of our, or one of the fourth year dental students and the logistics lead for Access for All, uh, when I heard about the initiative and that they were looking for the hygiene kind of lead component of that. 
um, because I was I was immediately interested in what they had. Um, I found that in dental hygiene program, we do a lot of work in oral health advocacy in different communities. So, you know, whether that's long-term care settings, newcomers to Canada or, or children's oral health kind of thing. Um, and I've really found myself enjoying that aspect of our practice. Um, and it's something that has actually become a goal of mine for after graduation. And then I would say, yeah, like, especially growing up in a rural community, I really resonated with the vision and the mission that, that Access for All has. Um, and like Ying, you can probably attest, like one of our main goals for the pilot trip was to not just do dentistry, but to really meet people and build connections in the different communities. So the, that this kind of program could, you know, be around for a long time and people could continue to benefit from it. So um, that's something that I've always valued. And like I said, kind of benefited from myself in the past in my community. So that's kind of where I felt connected to it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, um, Adam talked a little bit about this in his portion, but I think just being able to eat lunch with community members and then do, you know, the wellness activities with them, it really kind of connected us to yeah. them. And that was the awesome part about this trip as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And for many of our listeners, um, dental hygiene listeners, they're probably um, very interested mm-hmm. in this next question. Uh, what did a day in the life as a dental hygiene student look like on the trip? What was kind of the biggest difference from a day in the K clinic? Yeah, so, um, well, the first day was a, it was a pretty big one uh, with all the setup and organization and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, each day afterwards was relatively smooth running and, and pretty routine. Um, so we would, <clears throat> excuse me, usually arrive around 7.30 in the morning to set up and start seeing patients, um, usually around eight o'clock in the morning. Um, we could usually see somewhere between two to three patients in the morning, like for hygiene, um, before lunch, which is usually around 12. And they usually had the best lunches ever for anybody who's curious. <laughs> and then um, usually we saw about two patients in the afternoon, um, you know, before packing up around five. So it was a pretty good, like normal full day. Um, I think we budgeted for about two hours per patient, but of course, you know, we don't have any information about the patient beforehand, uh, like we do in clinic. So sometimes, uh, you know, we'd be doing treatment for a little bit longer than two hours and sometimes it would only take, you know, an hour or whatever. So there was some flexibility there. Um, And then once we were all done, we'd head back to the residence, which was it was not even two minutes away and it was the nicest thing ever. <laughs> um, I think it was a converted seniors home or, or assisted living facility. So we had kind of like our separate living spaces, but we're still able to come back at the end of the day and and kind of hang out and tell some funny stories. And uh, although I think most nights we were pretty, pretty exhausted. So we were usually all in bed by like 10 p.m., I think, <laughs> if not sooner. Um, but yeah, and then I guess one of the biggest difference um, to like being in K clinic and stuff like that is more like treatment wise. I think for hygiene, we don't get a chance to do a lot of, of different things in clinic just because of the general demographic of the patients. So um, on, on the trip, we saw quite a few families with kids. And so for us, we got to do a lot of pit and fissure sealants, which is something that's, you know, not super common for us in clinic. Um, and then I guess the other thing too would just be the flow of appointments and like decision-making, which is probably an important thing I think in hygiene we're always worried about. Um, just trying to get as much done for the patient as you possibly can in the time that we had. So, you know, there was lots of taking x-rays for pretty much every patient so that they could have an exam done as well, trying to make it efficient and, and yeah, just giving lots of, of like OHE and that sort of thing. 
Um, and then one other thing I guess I'll say too is it was it was nice to really be just responsible for how efficient your day was going to be. So there wasn't like um, necessarily a set amount of people that you'd see in the day. If if I was happened to be you know faster or more efficient at scaling for one appointment and I got done quicker, usually um, our admin, who's usually Adam Anfrin, you know he would have another patient on call on deck so that you know I was able to go out and grab them and start another patient and and really really get as much done as I could in a day. Yeah, I think it was definitely our days. Um, we were able to see more patients than we did in K clinic, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, in terms of the lunches, they were the best food <laughs> yeah. in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of bannock, and yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of like the busyness kind of prepares you for the, the hustle bustle of private practice. So it's kind of nice you get to experience that before jumping out into the. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, Lauren. I heard that the DH preceptor on the trip was Paulette Dilside. Um, would you be able to give us a little intro about her? How was it to have her on the trip? Yeah, so uh, Paulette is a dental hygienist who owns her own hygiene practice in Cold Lake. Um, it's, you know, kind of along with the regular clinical hygiene stuff. They also do uh, mobile dentistry or mobile dental hygiene and a lot of advocacy and community work as well. So she was, you know, in particular, an incredible resource for us to have uh, when not only planning the trip, but actually implementing it as well. Um, you know, she was there bright and early every single day with us, helping us set everything up and, and you know, tear it down at the end of the week. And I think, you know, we could not be more thankful for for her, all of her guidance and support. Yeah, especially being a pilot trip. I feel like it's such a good thing to have someone that's familiar with this mobile clinics and stuff like that. So I feel yeah. like really, <laughs> you guys really looked out having her. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For sure. And definitely. So she's definitely experienced in this area. So I was, uh, I was wondering, like, is there some standout thing that you learned from her maybe on this trip? Yeah. Um. Well, Paulette was such an incredible mentor to me and, and the other hygiene students on the trip. So it's hard to choose just one thing. But um, I guess the thing that I really valued the most from her was seeing her practice of treating the patient first and just spending that extra time to really make an effort to connect with her patients. Um, you know, working with this trip, um, around this trip, working with the Métis people of the community, a lot of my patients, you know, did open up about how nervous and, and distrusting they were of dental professionals and, and how that has, you know, maybe stopped them from seeing somebody when they needed to. Um, I think in hygiene, especially, we have a pretty unique position of seeing patients on a regular basis for just that, you know, that routine care. So building that dental home and really prioritizing building trust even uh, if it means adjusting your treatment plan a little bit to accommodate that, um, that it's going to benefit the patient far greater in the long run. And I think that was, you know, one of Paulette's biggest values. And from talking to her too, she kind of explained to me how she actually manages that within her practice. Um, And yeah, so just watching Paulette bring that energy into every single appointment that she, you know, her and I had together, it was, it was actually quite valuable for me to see. Yeah, for sure. And Paulette, you know, she, she also used like she has a great voice and she used to sing for us a little bit and I think you know I didn't work directly with her but that was my biggest takeaway from her I was like oh my goodness she sings so well (laughs) um and kind of now a nice transition into our next question what do you think your biggest takeaway or lesson from this trip in general was yeah so um I think my biggest takeaway from this trip was um you know, that with a good team of people, you can really pull off some pretty incredible things. Um, I think it's kind of funny in school, we learn a lot like on paper about working as a dental team and 
and about knowing the scopes of practice and areas of expertise and that sort of thing. And it's all, you know, also very important and it plays a role. But I found that, you know, when it came down to it, it really was about us all, you know, we all had respect and trust and communication with our, our team members. Um, and so I have to give a huge amount of credit also to the the dental students on this trip, as well as our amazing dental preceptors, so Dr. Trudy and Blaine Coyne, for just being so encouraging and collaborative with us. Um, I think, you know, it's not everywhere you go where you can see a team work so efficiently and, and honestly have fun while doing it. Um, and I think it honestly is truly just because everyone was working towards the same goal and, and helping each other out. And that was a, a pretty amazing to, thing to see and get to experience. Yeah, it does sound like a good experience. Um, there's probably a lot of experiences that were going on over there. It seems like there's a lot, you know, hygiene related, you know, you're experiencing the culture, you're having yeah. some good times with your friends. So with all that being said, what would you say was your favorite memory from the trip? Um, my favorite memory was definitely uh, when the Acoins invited us over where they were staying for dinner one night after clinic. Um, they made us chili and, and a lot of really good yummy things. And I think also being eight really hungry students, we pretty much cleaned them out from from all their food. But <laughs> I think we had a great time just kind of decompressing and, and telling funny stories and getting to know each other. It was, yeah, it was a good memory. Yeah. Dr. Trudy Coin made some of also the best food on the trip. So <laughs> it was just a trip of really, really great food and really great people as well. Yeah. And now this comes to our last question here. Do you have any words for any hygiene students who might be interested in A4A or coming on trips into the future? Yeah, um, I would say definitely try to get involved if this is something that speaks to you. You know, it's not only a really great way to test, you know, your actual clinical skills and kind of push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit. Um, but it's also time spent learning how clinics operate and, you know, like ordering supplies, managing the admin or sterilization side of things, um, and then also meeting people in the dental community. So, you know, through the process, I would, you know, a lot of us talk to community representatives um, for for donations and, and support and stuff like that. So that was really valuable, um, especially if you're in your third year, because then you can have the opportunity to continue next year and make those connections with other students. Um, our trips are a little bit of a time commitment, but honestly, I think most of us left it saying that we couldn't have imagined spending our reading week any other way. Even um, <clears throat> like my classmate, Cheyenne, who is on the trip with us as well, she had to leave for her satellite rotation like the day after we got back. Um, but even she was saying how worthwhile it was for her to you know, have this experience. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions, you can always message me or try to find me in clinic. I think <clears throat> I've been talking the ear off of anybody who will listen to me about this trip. So if you have any questions, <laughs> I'm always around. Me too. I've been kind of advertising this trip to everybody, including Abe here. Abe <laughs> yesterday after um, after we've uh, taped Adam's portion there, I, I've spent like a good five minutes being like, Abe, this is awesome. Let me tell you more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys sold me. There's no way I can't join next year now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, honestly, you guys made it sound amazing. And I'm sure I'm sure you guys are going to gather a lot of interest after this. So it's <laughs> <laughs> good. No, it's definitely great. Um, so, Lauren, that is all the questions we had lined up for you today. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. It was awesome. No, of course. Uh, yeah, you and Adam both did such an amazing job about kind of showcasing what Access for All is all about. And I have no doubt that the next trip is just going to be bigger and better than the first. So that's awesome. 
Um, also, thank you for everyone else that was listening. If you have any questions about Access for All, we will be linking the Access for All Instagram and website in our promotional post for the episode. And stay tuned for the next ep- uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone.